Hey everybody, I'm Tim Yuma, and you've checked into one of our latest creations, a new show called You Do What? Now here we take a look at a variety of non-traditional jobs that lets you know that you have plenty of options in your career, you just need to utilize the skills that you have to succeed. It's more of a laid-back approach, but with some serious tips and advice. Joining us from California today is an individual who has definitely carved a niche out for herself. Annalisa Burns is the owner of Pet Search and Rescue, whose duties would lend many to affectionately call her a pet detective. Now, according to the National Council on Pet Population Study and Policy, less than 2% of cats and only 15 to 20% of dogs are actually returned to their owners. So helping owners and these lost pets definitely has growth opportunity. Annalisa, thanks a lot for coming on today. You're welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, you know, we'll get into some of the details of the the day-to-day stuff that you go through, but in general, just enlighten us. Tell us about your job a little bit. Absolutely. Well, uh, we help people find their lost pets, just like Ace Ventura, except I think we're better looking. (laughs) I didn't didn't want to go that route with uh, Ace Ventura because I wasn't sure how you would take that, but of course, people sort of conjure up that image. I'm, I'm guessing you probably take things a little more seriously than he did, though. Yes, we do. We do. What we specialize is helping people find their lost pets, and we use a variety of techniques to do that. But most of all, it's a lot of education and sharing with pet owners the myths about what happens to lost pets and what they can do to successfully find them. But we do take it very seriously. We take it like a, a missing member of the family because that's really what it is to us. Sure, definitely. And for you know those pet owners out there, I mean, a number of them obviously can relate to that. I, I guess first and foremost... What really did attract you to this sort of industry or the idea of doing this? I mean, was it something you always wanted to do or had in the back of your mind? How did that sort of come about? Well, I always loved animals. I've always been an animal person ever since I was a little kid. I always knew that I wanted to do something around animals. I just didn't quite know what that would be because when I was a child, really the only businesses or jobs around animals was dog walking, pet sitting, being a a vet or a vet tech, those sorts of jobs, or a groomer. And none of those quite were a match to my skill set. And they had drawbacks that definitely weren't a match to my skill set. So life led me down some other paths where I went to college and I I did some other avenues of of work. And then what happened was I was living in, in San Diego and I had innocently adopted a puppy from an animal shelter. I'm a huge supporter of rescued animals, rescued dogs. And so I adopted this adorable, cute little puppy (laughs) from the animal shelter and brought the puppy home. And guess what happened? It chewed everything apart. (laughs) It chewed the windowsills. It chewed my shoes. It chewed the bedspread. I mean, it was crazy, this little puppy. I would go to work and come home and would never know what disaster was there. So it just occurred to me one evening, this dog really needs a job. Hmm. And I felt like I kind of needed a calling too because my job, I was working in an office and it wasn't a match for me completely. And so I started to do a lot of research. What jobs could I do that would involve my new adorable little destructive (laughs) puppy (laughs) and myself and my passion for animals? And I really tried quite a few different things, and I researched it, you know, into quite a few different things. And nothing that was really popular or common, again, was really a match Mm -hmm. for me. So I really had to dig deep and did a lot of internet research, and I found one woman in California, actually at the time she was the only woman in, in the U.S., who was applying search and rescue 
and search dog techniques to finding missing people to finding missing pets. Hmm. And I thought, well, you know, this might be an interesting hobby. Let me go and, and try this training out. So I took training with her, and I started my dog with the training. And the dog loved it, and I loved it, and it really took on a life of its own and came out of that. So there really, when I started this, I've been doing this this summer, will be eight years. And so when I started doing this, there really was only like two or three people in the entire country that were focusing on lost pet issues. Now there's more and more, but still I was the first person in Southern California to start a business using a search dog to help find lost pets. Well, I mean, it is obviously interesting. And and the idea, like you said, that there were so few to me as little as eight years ago and and how it's growing, but obviously... As we sort of mentioned, there's a lot of room for growth there still. Now, you did mention taking some classes. I guess that's what I'm sure a lot of people are thinking. I mean, is there a formal education route you take with this? Are there certain classes you go for, um, certifications you need? What's sort of the the formality side of things when, when it comes to, uh, you know, getting into a position like this? That's a great question, Tim. And there isn't a standard set of training or guidelines or certification like there might be if you wanted to be, let's say, a massage therapist Mm -hmm. or a vet tech, that sort of thing. That being said, the background that we really look for when we are are hiring canine handlers or people to help in the field, we look for people who, individuals that have background in law enforcement, police work, military, private investigators, or experience volunteer work in search and rescue. Mm -hmm. Because the specific niche that we focus on is in using and applying missing person and search and rescue techniques from people to animals. Obviously, there's a lot of things that are different. We also look at animal behavior, that sort of thing. But that's really what we look for. And that those skill sets are really important to us. However, there's also a whole new range of services that are are coming up in the lost pet field. For example, websites that provide a clearinghouse, websites that offer email notices, phone calling, and postcards mailing out to people that have lost or found pets, in addition to services like checking shelters for missing animals and helping with internet services, posting on Facebook, that sort of thing. In those industries or those those sections of the lost pet industry, obviously the skill set is very, very different. You can have everything from a background in the internet, computers, all the way to marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. which could be really helpful. And the question isn't necessarily a cookie cutter set of skills or training that you need, but rather what training do you have? How can you supplement it? And how can you really help people and their missing pets? And I like that you brought up sort of the different aspects and different ways that, I mean, essentially anyone could help. Uh, you know, you talk about the technology side of things. Obviously, that's helpful. And, um, you know, the knowledge of search and rescue or even of animals, as you mentioned, animal behavior may be sort of helping out, um, you know, figure out where these pets might have gone. Now, I did want to ask, I mean, because people are going to be curious, obviously, in terms of like a typical day, and I know it's going to be different, but I think in a lot of people's minds, they're thinking, okay, you, you've been you know, contacted to, to hopefully find someone's pet or, or something to that effect. What would a typical day like that be? And what sort of resources are you using? You sort of mentioned off, off the top about, um, you know, different, different ways you go about trying to find these animals. Um, I guess just walk us through a little bit when you are actively searching for, for an animal. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So when someone first calls us about a lost pet, we spend a lot of time educating them, talking with them on the phone, going through what exactly happened, how it happened, what they think is the situation, because we get everything from pet theft all the way to predator involvement, all the way to the pet just got wandered out of the yard and is at the neighbor's house. So there's a wide range of, of scenarios. We're also contacted about lost dogs, cats, rodents, and reptiles. We've worked tortoise cases, snake cases. So we need to get a little background. So I spend a good amount of time on the phone educating people, asking them questions, finding out how we might be able to help. Once we've gone through that process, and if it's something that we're able to help with, it's within our our search areas, then from there, if they would like to book in, we can offer two different types of services. We offer the services where we go out, we have the trained search dogs, and we use the search dogs to help search for the lost pet. And we also offer consultation and email services. So part of my day can be spent consulting with clients over the phone and via email, giving them feedback. And one of the reasons we're so effective with those services is because I have worked in the field for so many years, hundreds of cases that we've successfully helped close and find the pets. Mm -hmm. So we have that expertise to offer. So part of the day on the phone consulting, if it's a case where we're going to go out in person, We do spend time in the preparation of the search. That would be preparing the client so they know what to expect. That would be making sure we have all of our supplies ready, that we're versed in the case, we know the facts, working with satellite maps, uh, technology like that online. And then once we actually show up for a case, we start with the search dogs. We work one dog at a time on the lost pet scent. And what we focus on is which way did the pet go, finding any evidence along the way. Sometimes that could be a potential hiding place, a tuft of fur. Mm -hmm. The search dogs are trained to alert or indicate when they find those things. Once we have a direction of travel, we can also use the search dog to search a specific area. And then we'll report back to the client. So that activity involves being out, being active, being able to hike up and down hills, being able to traverse sometimes rocky terrain. That's a very rough and tumble element, very outdoorsy type of activity. And then we also spend time following some of those additional techniques. So witness development, talking to the neighbors, talking to the, let's say the HOA or a homeowners association, the neighborhood watch, reaching out to the community Also, sometimes, depending on the case, it may involve other methods such as using humane traps or doing a contact to a rescue group or even talking to the media. Hmm. One of the most important skills that we have and that our team members have is strong communication skills because one of the most challenging parts of the job is dealing with a client when you have to share with them bad news. Sure. And it's the part of the job that nobody warned me about when I first started <laughs> started helping people find their lost pets, and that's a very emotional part. That is an absolute minimum requirement is you have to have strong communication. So if your day does develop where you have to share bad news or even the reverse, you just have to try to share what you know is really going to help in a case, that you're able to communicate that effectively. So that would be what it would look like for an average day 
of working out in the field and also a combination of, of working on the phone and in the office. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I mean, going out in the field, it, that definitely does uh, sound pretty awesome, being able to, you know, look for clues and talk with witnesses. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, that's pretty cool. It is. That's one of the most fun and enjoyable parts. It's why someone who has a background in law enforcement, search and rescue, military, is so well-suited for this type of work is for that in-the-field work or somebody that has a private investigator's license but doesn't want to use it in a traditional way. Right. This is can be a really great fit for that type of person. So overall, then, uh, I mean, is it fair to say? I mean, you do love this job. You you would definitely. I love this okay. job. <laughs> I love this job. This is a, a perfect fit for me because I get to do a combination of things. I get to do things in the office, but also in the field, as I choose. And more than anything, it's helping pet owners and it's helping lost pets, and that's what I'm really passionate about. And I'd imagine when you are able to to match up a pet back with their owner, that's a, a an enjoyable time for you as well. Absolutely, that's the best when you're able to help someone find a pet or even just find a clue that they would not have been able to find either without the services and especially without the search dogs. Because we do train the search dogs. It takes six months mm. to two years to completely train a search dog, and to see them love their job too and find something that we never would have identified without them that gives people either closure or points them in a different direction that leads to their pet's recovery, that's a really great feeling. So the way I look at it, you sort of have four players here. You have the, the pet owner, you have the pet, you have the uh, you know search and rescue uh, employee uh, on the human side, and then you have the dog. So of the four, who's the most excited when there is success? <laughs> oh, that's a really hard one to say. Well, I, I would it, it's all pretty close, but okay. usually the pet owner is really beside themselves okay. with with excitement when their pets come back. The search dogs are really excited cuz they've done a, a a job well done. And and we're excited to be a part of that process. Yeah, I, I can just see the, the search dog being pretty pumped up about helping out with that. So Absolutely. Well, one time I, I was working one of my search dogs, and we found a cat that had been missing for quite a few days, and it was hiding underneath somebody's car. <laughs> and so I tied my search dog up to a tree so that I could kind of try to see the cat, try to corner it, mm -hmm. and call the pet owner. My dog was so excited that she chewed through her harness. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, came and was trying to also corner the kitty cat. So, um, yes, they do. They get very excited, and they love it. And that's one of the things that people who are in search and rescue, law enforcement, the military can are really drawn to our, our particular program is because we really focus on that the search dog needs to be having a good time, too. And we want to work with the search dog's strengths and weaknesses and not make them fulfill like a cookie-cutter set of requirements, which is necessary in human search and rescue. But we have a lot more leeway when we're talking about searching for lost pets. Sure. So that is one of the benefits is that we can, we can work with that enthusiasm and work with how that dog just loves to, to work and help find lost pets and clues. Now, I mean, other things, I guess, what would you point to as things you don't necessarily like about or enjoy? I mean, obviously, when you have to give bad news, you had mentioned maybe some of the, the physical terrain right. and stuff that goes into it. I mean, are those the really the, the negative spots or anything else that jumps out? This is a dangerous job, okay. and people are surprised to hear that. 
but you definitely can injure yourself. There is difficult terrain. You many times are traversing properties that you don't know if it's a public property or someone's private property. You're trying to discern that to ask permission to go on the property, but you definitely can get into some sticky and uncomfortable situations. We sometimes end up in a variety of neighborhoods, some safe, some not so safe, (laughs) with a variety of different scenarios and upset pet owners. And when pet owners are really upset, they can go through anger and distress also. So this is a dangerous job, especially if you're working in the field. And also dealing with distraught pet owners, when you have to tell them bad news, that really can impact you and be a traumatic experience, not only for the pet owner, but for the person that's having to tell them. So those are the things that would be some drawbacks. The other thing is this is a seasonal type situation. Okay. We don't have regular stream of cases 365 days of the year. It does go up and down with the seasons. So it's really an ideal fit for someone that's maybe retired or looking for a change of venue or a way to incorporate something new into something they already do. Mm -hmm. That is really great. But for someone that's looking for a steady paycheck, that it is not. So those are just a few things that that I've found in my experience, things I I love and things that are a little bit of some drawbacks. Right. No, and we definitely appreciate it, and that's why we wanted to sort of have these conversations with different, you know, different fields, different positions to to sort of understand what goes into it, and the positive and the negative, just on the informational Absolutely. side. Absolutely. Now, so I guess, Absolutely. I mean, obviously you have a, a love and a passion for this. I mean, what would you, if this didn't exist, if for some reason you couldn't make it work, I mean, what would you have been doing, do you think? Have you just been in an office, sort of happy, sort of not happy, or...? Possibly short term, but I really have an entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. And so I uh, would guarantee you that something would end up sparking my interest in coming <laughs> along that I was really passionate about. And I also know that if I wasn't doing this for a job, I'd do this to volunteer. Okay. Because really at this point in the United States and across the world, there's really very limited resources for people with lost pets. And so to be able to help people in that capacity, and the bigger picture here is it helps animals. And when we keep these animals out of shelters or we're able to reunite them with their loving owners, that means that the system and the shelters and rescue groups can help animals that really need it, that really are in distress, not wasting time on animals that have a loving home and they just haven't been able to be connected. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you touched on this briefly on the on the downside of it, the idea of, you know, whether or not this position is something that would be financially beneficial. Um, and it may be hard for you to, to give us sort of a range of what compensation, you know, mm-hmm. ideas would be like. But I mean, I guess how would you... How would you describe that aspect of it for people? As you said, you know, maybe it's a part-time thing, or uh, for you know retired persons, or or maybe again, it could be whatever scenario. Um, just just for the side for the sake of information, what what would you point to as the the compensation side financially? Sure, and there is a range also because keep in mind that the element that I do is heavy on consultations and on-site services. Okay. The sky really is the limit with the Internet and online services that people can provide. Okay. And that's not necessarily our... We offer some of those services, but that's not our focus. So for something along those lines, I know some very successful web pages and services. Again, they're sending out postcards, offering 
online registries, microchip registries, all that sort of thing. So if somebody has those skill sets, then that would be a great thing to look into, especially if they are looking for more regular pay and a business for them to really put their heart into. I would love to see more businesses like that out there. As for specifically the avenue that that we do of offering some of those services, but then also specializing in the consultations and working on site, generally compensation ranges between $10 an hour to $100 an hour, which is a pretty wide range. But the $10 an hour, you can imagine that's more of the online work. That's more of the internet services of searching and and helping with online from home, which is a great option for some people, Mm -hmm. stay-at-home moms, that sort of thing, all the way to like $100 an hour, which really applies to our expert canine handlers that have that military police search and rescue background that have a trained search dog that could have taken them six months to two years to get up and running and that they are actually in those dangerous positions of being out in the field and taking the lead on a a lost pet case. And as you said, uh, so much of it's going to be, you know, a variable is going to be what exactly you're doing, what avenues you're you're, you're working in. So um, I appreciate you, though, Absolutely. giving that perspective and, and sort of broadening it out a little bit. As you mentioned, you may not, uh, your organization itself may not provide all the same things that you could find elsewhere. Absolutely. And there's so many possibilities out there. Really, Tim, the sky's the limit because when one out of every three pets will go missing in their lifetime, and many of those pets have beloved owners that would love to have those pets back. All that limits you is your creativity in, in thinking of new ways that you can help connect that lost pet with the, with the owner. And as we look to, you know, sort of wrap it all up, um, you know, you've given us some great insight and we definitely appreciate it. And, you know, obviously you've related it to people you know, looking for a, what would be a family member in essence. Um, I guess anything else you'd want to share with those that maybe are thinking about this avenue or maybe thought along the same lines of you as you as, oh, I love animals. I want to do something with them, but these sort of traditional jobs aren't for me. Uh, what advice would you give out there? What, what else would you like to tell them as you sort of have the floor to finish up? Well, the main thing is to start volunteering. Really, that's one of the best things that you can do to get on-the-job experience, if you will, and hands-on experience. Go to your local animal shelter, look on your local, in your local newspaper, see ads for lost and found pets, and just volunteer. Ask them if, if you can help, because one of the best things you can do is to see how people look for their pets currently, and with a critical thought or critical eye, look at how you can make it better. Where are your skill sets? How can you improve the situation? So that's one of the best things you can do is you can volunteer and help people in your immediate community help connect lost and found pets and get to know people and network with those people and ask them what do they think is needed. Go to your local shelter and say, hey, I'm looking for a work or a job. Here's my skill sets. I know there's this issue about lost and found pets. If I started a business or how could I contribute in this area, that really is is one of the best ways to start out. And the other thing I recommend to people that want to learn more about search and rescue and those techniques and using those techniques to find lost pets is to volunteer with your local search and rescue team and to put in hours, learn how to do navigation, learn how to handle and watch the search dogs and just spend time in that. And if you start to do those things and if you love doing them, even if you're not getting paid for it and that's a passion, 
then absolutely look a little bit further into making it something that's your own. And anybody out there who does have that type of background of the military law enforcement search and rescue, they're always welcome to contact us and find out about how we operate. And that's really the best way that you can go about it is just share the experience and and offer to volunteer and help with other people. Well, Annalisa, again, we appreciate sort of the the look behind the curtain, so to speak, of pet search and rescue. Uh, You know, while putting up posters and signs may uh, may be somewhat effective, obviously, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job with with the different techniques you're using. I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there who are definitely thinking about at least trying their hand at it a little bit, maybe even if it's just so they can be called a pet detective, who knows. But if, if listeners are interested in finding out more about you and your organization, as you sort of mentioned there, I guess, where can they find that information? Yes. Well, the easiest thing is to go on our website which is www.petsearchandrescue.com. And they can also find us on Facebook at PetSearchAndRescue.com. We also have an 800 number, which is 800-925-2410. Thank you again for joining us today, Annalisa. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Again, that is our guest, Annalisa Burns, owner of Pet Search and Rescue over there on the left coast in California. As usual, we also encourage all of you to send us any comments or suggestions for any of our shows. Just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. That'll wrap it up for this edition of You Do What? here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.